Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. All right, open your Bibles. We've got to wrap this thing up. Psalms, uh, I'm sorry, Song of Songs 1, 1. So we've got to wrap this up. This is our fifth installment, our final message in the Song of Songs, Song of Solomon series. And can I say, whew, all right, this... As, uh, you know, we had, we had a great time. It's a great topic. Honestly, it needs to be taught in the church. Uh, the world's speaking about marriage, dating, sex, relationships in a way that is contrary to God's Word. It's not a way that's helping. It's not a way that's working. God's Word has a lot to say about it. He has uh, principles and truths that need to be followed as He always intended. And can I tell you, He wrote it right the first time. It didn't need to be redone changed, whatever, and the world perverts everything that God does, and so in the area of dating, relationships, sex, and marriage, then there's been a lot of perversion in the world, and we've unfortunately seen a lot of casualties because of that, and so we want to dive into the Word and reveal the truth. Um, As always, I want to give you the rules. The ground rules are that you see it for yourself, evaluate everything for you, watch the elbows, and that's right, pastor, you know, draw attention. I mean, you can amen me, but don't like draw attention like you're nodding your, that's right, pastor, that's guy right, right there next to me. And so uh, go home and send it to everybody you want to send it to, because it'd be great information for them, but you know, in the right context, hey, you need to hear this. And so, but let's make sure we're filtering it through ourselves first. Number two, remember God is a good and faithful God, he and his mercies are new every morning, amen? So if you're feeling any kind of guilt and condemnation, that's not of the Lord, that's of the devil. And he'll make you feel that way so you won't even have it within you to try and make a change. But the Holy Spirit comes to convict, which is a positive thing because it points you to a way out. It helps you understand that there's a better way to live. And so I just want to encourage you, uh, you know, use the right filter this morning. And so uh, the hard thing for me and to bring a a message or a series on a topic like this, uh, relationships, marriage, sex, I know there's so many different places that we're all at. And um, so it's hard. I know some of this is very hard and difficult because of hurts and, and divorces and breakups. And I know it takes two people to make it work. And I know there's abusive situations. And, and I know all that. And it weighs on me as I prepare and I study. I want to give you the truth and the hope of God's word. Amen? And the reality is that we can start today. We can let the yesterdays be yesterday and we can look forward to our tomorrows and start today and live life forward. So don't look through the lens of yesterday. Look ahead to the future and how you can do a fresh start, make a fresh start today. Amen? Okay, Song of Songs 1, 1 through 3 is our foundation. Solomon's Song of Songs. Solomon wrote in 1 Kings, it says he wrote 1,005 songs and this is saying this is the best. You need to spend some time with this one. This is the best thing I ever wrote. And we know that Solomon... God gave him wisdom beyond natural man, the wisest man on the planet. Uh, Let him kiss me, she says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Your uh, pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name or your reputation is like perfume poured out. In other words, it's spreading. No wonder people love you. Basically, the way that you love Solomon People want to be around that. You love different than everybody else. And, and as we see, as we've studied the, bo- the book, basically we're, we're looking at the way God intended love to be, and not from just a, a sexual thing, that was one segment of it, but from the standpoint of just living life and loving people. His name and his reputation is known to be to love people the right way. No one loves like Solomon does because he's loving it the way God loves. Oh, if that could be said about us, right? You know the biggest turnoff to Christianity is? Christians. <laughs> Those are those mean, judgmental, critical Christian people that, that turn off the church. Church. 
You have to be a certain way, a certain thing, do certain things to get into church, and, and that's, that's not the love of the Father. So I, I just wanna encourage you that our goal is to love the way God loves, because we receive his love, we then have the capacity to love in that way. And so that's what we're looking at in the course of the series. And so uh, today we're gonna jump into um, chapter uh, eight. So let's go ahead and turn in, in Song of Songs eight as you get ready. And we're gonna talk about the word commitment today. That's a tough one, saved it for the end. Again, I know that in a, in a wide audience, variety of people here today in circumstances, I know this hits people differently. And again, I want you to filter it through the truth of God's word and the hope for new beginnings and fresh starts. But commitment's important for us. It's kind of a lost kind of thing in our society today because we're more about convenience, more about ourselves, what's in it for us and how do we get out it how do we get out of something if it's not for us? And we're not just talking in a sense of husband and wife commitment, although that is the context of the, of the book today, but I wanna talk about commitments parents to kids and kids to parents. Young people, you need to hear that. Commitment to your parents as well. Uh, commitments concerning relationships. Commitments to church. God says those that are planted, committed to the house of the Lord, not those that bounce from church to church, church hop, church shop, however you wanna say that, but finding that place and being committed, being engaged, being all in, those will flourish, the Bible says. It's that commitment. Uh, commitments to, you know, just groups of people, serving in an area, connecting with people. Just we talked about commitments to a group and what can be accomplished that way in your life and then around the world. And so we need to understand uh, commitment because if we don't understand commitment, we miss the best of relationships. And so we only need commitment when things are tough. It's not called commitment when it's easy. It's when it gets hard, it's like, okay, you gotta be committed now. You don't have to commit to things when it's easy, so commitment really it comes to life when we find difficult circumstances. So no matter where you are today, no matter what you've done, the blood of Jesus takes care of you yesterday and we live for today, amen? All right, so I do a lot of weddings being a pastor. I talked about the, the, the wonderful family being here this weekend for a big celebration, a wedding celebration. And so, you know, you have vows and weddings, and a lot of them are traditional, some are kind of written. Uh, what I use in my wedding vows is a phrase typically this, as long as we both shall live, that they respond that way. That's taken out of this book. And it's like, oh, let's just think, mm, let's see, let's, wedding vows, we need to kind of make some kind of vows to each other. Let's like, this sounds good. Actually, it was really from the word. And it's an important vow to make. Till death do us part might be another way that we say that. Uh, in a wedding, we make vows to God in a covenant. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then we make vows to each other in a covenant as well. But however, notice that the commitment in our wedding vows, the condition is till death do us part. Now, we live in a world, however, that's becoming harder and harder to keep that commitment. We're just, we're faced with all kinds of struggles and, and things are different today than they were, but yet God's intent was still the same. That hasn't changed. And you hear today, it's like, well, it's 2018, come on, pastor, it's a different world today. And I say, but it's not a different God. And so our job is to line our life up with God and his word. And if we make a mistake, we repent, we get things back in order, and we understand that he can give us a a do-over, a fresh start. So we want to stay locked in. So we're talking about these commitments in in accordance with God's word and what God says. And so um, let's take a look in verse 8. I'm sorry, chapter eight, verse five. Here's what it says. Who is this coming up from the wilderness leaning on her beloved? Now we're seeing some other group talk here and we're seeing Solomon and his wife now come up and what they're doing is they're saying that's a different couple than started this whole thing out. And in week one, we started, you know, in chapter one, and we walked this all the way through each stage of the relationship. And so now it's continuing to develop. It developed through the attraction 
biblical, biblically, through the dating, biblically, through the honeymoon night, biblically, through the first fight, biblically, and now we're seeing a depth of a relationship because God has been and his principles have been put first. And so people are recognizing, these guys, is this the same couple? Come on. I mean, what's going on with them? They're not, they're not like everybody else. They walked through some stuff. We watched them and they've made it. Can I tell you, our lives are supposed to be attractive to the world. I mean, we need to live our life in a way in accordance with God's word that the blessing and favor of God, not that it's easy, rests on our lives so the world will want what we have because if we're like the world, why want what it looks like already? And so that's what's happening here. They recognize there's just something different about this couple. And we all know that we're around. That's the people you want to be around. I want to be around. You know, there's people you don't want to be around, right? And there's people that you want to be around. I want to be around that couple. They, man, they got it figured out. There's I don't know how they made it through that, but they did, and they're still together, and they're doing great, and all this, and so this is acknowledging, these people are acknowledging that, that something has transformed them, love has transformed them, and they're, they're not doing it like everybody else, they're not doing it like the world, and, and how, because of that, that it's attractive to them. It goes on to say, who's this coming up from the wilderness? And it, and it says, uh, my beloved, under the apple tree I roused you. Now again, there's a lot of symbolism here, so it can be a difficult book, so I did all the homework for you. So this is basically a phrase used to talk about under the apple tree means it was referring to kind of passionate things. So things are getting a little passionate there. It says, I roused you. It's another word for another word, which I'm not going to say this morning. And uh, we did that week three. Go, week three, go watch that one. And so it's saying things are getting a little intimate here. It's getting a little, we're getting a little close together and we're just loving each other. And no, notice that this is later in life. So as their, their, their years progressed, their love continued to grow. They grew closer together and closer to God. And here's her response. It's like, under the apple tree I rouse you. And then she goes on to say this, there your mother conceived you. And let me just say this for a second because this is a little bit of a weird statement. Things are getting intense, getting a little intimate under the apple tree. And it's not that the mom was there. They didn't bring their mom along. I mean, that's just weird and creepy. Sorry, mom. But that's just weird and stuff. And but when she's referring to, she's referring to this time that he was born and that, that, his, that his mom gave birth to him. You know what she's doing? She's basically realizing that God gave her him, that he was put on the planet for me. That's what she's saying. The closer they're getting as the years transpire in life or, or go on in life, she's saying the closer we get together, the more I know that, what I, the more I'm grateful for what God has done because he created you for me. Your mom gave you birth on this planet just for me. You, you were made for me. I love that. As you see, the relationship continues to grow. As they get later on, they don't, they're not growing distant in later in life. They're growing closer together. And she says, there she who was in labor gave you birth. And she's just referring to that. You're, he brought you here for me. He put you on the planet for me. And then she says, her response to that is, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. And that last phrase, love is as strong as death, really is where we get till death do us part. But being placed like a seal, she, she was referring again to the closer I get to God, the more I love you, the more I love you, the closer I get to God, I want to be yours. And, and back in the day, if you've seen the old movies, we know like the king would roll up the scroll and he just made a decree and wants to send it out everywhere. So they roll it up, they drip wax on it. He'd take his ring, his king ring, right? It's got this symbol of who he is and his authority and that this is from him and, and he's the authority, he's the owner and it, that, that it belonged to him. This is mine. I own this statement, this decree. Basically, she's saying, I belong to you. I mean, put a seal on me, your seal on me, because I belong to you. I am yours. I'm thankful. I'm realizing that God put you on the planet for me, and I am yours. 
And so she's expressing that during this time here and sharing that, and it goes on to say, as, as strong as death, it, goes, it says this, it's jealousies unyielding as the grave, it burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. And what she basically is, is describing now here, if I don't live this way, then may it be unto me this kind of suffering. She goes, I don't want to suffer like this. I'm yours. God put you here for me. And if I don't recognize that or acknowledge that or live that way, then may I suffer like this. It's basically she's just pouring her heart out. And what I want to say today, lasting love, lasting love is possessive. Now, having said that, I wanted to be very careful with that word because I don't don't want it to be controlling. There's a proper possessive, we'll talk about that, not a, a controlling everything, but she's recognizing that I belong to you and you belong to me. That's, our, that's, that's, that's where our, our love goes, that's, that's what we live out. What, 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 if I belong to you, it's a commitment and a relationship, as long as we both shall live. You know, in a Jewish wedding ceremony, before they get married or in the ceremony itself, they would cut an animal in half and they would put the two pieces apart and then the, the bride and the groom would lock arms and they would walk through like a figure eight around the animal. And they're walking around the animal, looking at the animal. And basically what they'd say is, may this be done unto us if we ever break this vow. Thinking about adding that to my wedding ceremony. But uh, got a couple coming up in May, by the way. Um, but what they're basically saying is it's signifying the commitment that they've made to each other and that we don't want to be that one that brings that to pass, that the, the breaking of this. So there's no there's no circumstances they're trying to say that can happen here. In fact, in verse seven, it says it this way. Listen to this. Many waters cannot quench a love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. Uh, basically, there is no storm too strong, no flood too high, no wind too, too there's no storm in life. Let's say this. There's no storm in life that can break us up. Come hell or high water, we're in this thing together. I belong to you, you belong to me. No storm can drive us apart. And if one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. Don't you try to offer, if somebody offered me $10 million for Jessamy, I would say, okay, think about it for a day. No, I'm just kidding, I wouldn't. No, basically saying, you don't have enough fame, you don't have enough wealth, there's not a storm in life strong enough to break us up. That's what's just being said right here. And it's, again, their commitment that, they're, that they've made to each other. Now, notice this is later in life. This is if people have recognized the transformation that they've put the principles of God to practice in their life. No, nothing can separate us. No storm, no money, no fame, no other woman, no other man, nothing. Lasting love is persevering. Persevering. Lasting love is persevering. We're, we're going to stick it out. Now, all right, for all you single people that have never been married and you just, you know, you're thinking about it, you can't wait for that day, and you've been dreaming about it, and you have this kind of, kind of fantasy there, leaping around in, you know, roses and butterflies and chocolate. It, it's, it ain't all that. I just, you know, come on, married people, you got to work for it. If there's any weight to your wedding, you got to work for it to your marriage. And so we just, you know, you go into it with this idea of something, but listen, make no mistake about it, marriage is work. It's work. That's why you need to persevere. That's why you need to be committed. And, you need, and we'll talk about other people in support of that. It's difficult, but we decide to stick it out. And we always have an opportunity for conflict and fight, but we choose to stick it out. And we need to establish a relationship, again, on something more than convenience, on covenant. Again, the world has, 
has brought in this idea of if it's just not working for me, then you know I'm out of here. And so I'm not saying that's everybody's issue that's experienced that, but it's just mindset is infiltrating the even the plans and principles of God. And we got to make sure that we don't fall into those traps because covenant relationships surrender rights and assume responsibility. I live for you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to get rid of my rights. But convenient relationship means that they protect their rights and shirk their responsibility. Don't you mess me over. I'm in this until it's not worth my while. I'm in this until it's not good for me anymore. And the world's mindset has created that. I remember a story of a pastor telling that some people came in for counseling. Uh, the wife had done some things and the man was kind of done. And so sat down with the pastor and was just like talking this through. And then on the way out, the man stopped the pastor and said, hey, I got a brother that's just been in a lot of trouble. He's just really into drugs and he's stealing from us and we're trying to help him. He's just causing just strife everywhere. And you know, but I love him and I'm trying to help him. Do you got anything here at the church that, you know, we can help him out with? Is there a class or a group that he can get in? And the pastor just, the, the light went off in the pastor's head and he, and he looked at the guy and he said, man, it seems like you're willing to go like the extra mile and do anything you can do to, to help your brother out, but it doesn't look like you're giving your, your spouse the same benefit. And the guy looked at the pastor and said, come on, pastor, that's right, he's blood. He's blood. And I think that that mentality sometimes is easy for us. Maybe a different family, but understand when we come into a covenant, we come into a covenant with, with a blood covenant. When Jesus shed his blood, we come into a blood covenant with Jesus. And really, symbolically, the wedding ceremony is part of that. In fact, back in the day, the, the priest would cut the bride and the groom's hand, put it together, tie cords around it, and go through the ceremony that way, symbolically uh, representing the mingling of we're now one. Two fleshes become one. A covenant, covenant with God and a covenant with each other. And uh, we need to persevere. And, and can I say this? The grass is not always greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it, where you weed it, where you feed it. The grass is greener where you're willing to put the work in, where you're willing to take care of it. It takes work. Uh, listen to this in, in verse eight. Here's what it says. There's a group of friends that have been throughout the course of this book been making observations, been watching over things. We see him comment from time to time. And now here we're gonna hear, we're gonna hear who one of these groups of friends are. It says this, we have a little sister. The brothers are there. Her brother's been hanging out watching this whole process and, and commenting on it and things. And now she's gonna have this exchange and let us know about her brothers. But we have a little sister, the brothers say, and her breasts are not yet grown. We've been watching over her since she's been young. We've been taking care of her. What shall, listen to this question. What shall we do for our sister on the day she has spoken for? Great question. Basically, they're saying, when is she going to be ready to marry? And they're reflecting back. When, is she, when will she be ready to marry? And, and can, I, can I tell you, as a dad of two teenage daughters, I, I mean, I'm looking at that question myself, and, and I'm like thinking through. Let's think it through naturally in a standpoint for maybe today's standards or whatever it might look like. When is my, when, you answer the question, when, when is she going to be ready to marry? Is it going to be when she's 18? Is it going to be 19? Is it going to be 20? Um, after she finishes college, let's, say, let's get the degree under the belt first there and, and maybe gets off somewhere. She needs to save some money, know how to manage a budget, run a household, uh, she needs to buy her first car, don't want her dependent upon him. She needs to pay off debt. Uh, basically, they're asking the question, when is she ready to marry? How do we know when she would be ready to marry? The brothers are asking this question. What shall we do on the day she's spoken for? On what condition? How will we know she's ready? Well, let's keep reading. If she is a wall, 
We will build towers of silver on her. Silver represents wedding gifts. If she's a wall, meaning if she has done the things that she is supposed to do, if she's done the things and followed the principles laid out, if she's done the things and kept herself, if she's put guardrails around her life in the midst of difficult choices, made good choices, if she has trusted those round about her to help her through life and she submitted to that process, if she has kept herself, then she's ready. And then it goes on to say this, If she's a door, we'll enclose her with panels of cedar. In other words, if she hasn't done the things that she should do, if she got caught up into some other things, if she made some bad choices, if she made some bad decisions like a door, it's open, somebody else comes in, the door opens, somebody else comes in, the door, and not a wall, we're going to build a wall around her. Come on, you need family and friends in your life that's going to build a wall around you when you need protection. And so if she hasn't built that wall making choices, we're going to build a wall around her and not let her marry till she's ready. That's what they're looking back at. That she lived her life with a, in a way and built a wall. And these guys were part of it. Lasting love is protective. Lasting love is protective. And that's my prayer for you. We, we pray for you all the time. We, we fight in the spirit all the time for you. That's my prayer for my daughters too. I fight for my daughters. I fight, I fight. they think I fight with them <laughs> at times. Come on, parents. They think we fight with them, but I'm fighting for them. Why? I want them to be a wall. I want a wall around them. I, I want your life, and, and if your life hasn't been a wall, and if it's been a, at a door, guess what? You can build a wall a day. And you need to surround yourself, because sometimes you need protection from you your feelings and your emotions and the influences and the peer pressure and, and, and not just having the experiences of life to make good decisions or, or thinking things a little naively. And you need the wisdom surrounded. Her brothers were there and helping her and creating a wall. And listen, if you have blown it or missed it or however you want to say that a devil wants to beat you over the head with that, listen, start today building a wall of cedar around about you. If you've had that experience that might be reflective of the door, then guess what? His mercies are new every morning and today you can start building that wall. But I love that she submitted to her brothers and to this process that's being described here. And she's saying, because I have this protection around about me and love protects. Love protects. Sometimes love has to say the hard things nobody else will say. I love you, so I'm gonna say the hard things and make me be the bad guy, but I love you enough to do that. I love you enough that if I'm the only one saying what the word says, then may I be the only one because I love you enough to try and build a wall around you and try and help you. We gotta be those people willing to do that. And she submitted to that with her brothers. And so don't, can I say this? Don't despise, especially young people, don't despise or reject protective love. Young people, do not despise or reject your parents' love. Be thankful that you had that in your life. Don't despise or reject teaching like this. That's why I'm teaching this series, to help bring some protection because the word of God is, is like a shield around us, amen? We need that around our life. And it goes on to say this, verse 10, I'm a wall and my, and my breasts are like towers. And she's saying that like, I'm unreachable. I, I, I made some decisions that I wasn't reachable then. I, I could, 
touchable. Those things weren't appropriate, so I didn't live that way. Uh, and, and thus I've become, listen to this, and because I've made those decisions, I've become in his eyes one bringing, I am bringing into this relationship contentment. The word contentment there is the word shalom, and the word shalom means peace. Because I listened and submitted to the process, because I followed the principles and plans of God, because I created a wall round about me in hard times, in good times, in tough choices, because of that, I'm bringing peace into this relationship. And ultimately, isn't that what we all want in our relationship? Peace, because if we have peace right here in this relationship, then it doesn't matter the chaos that happens out there. But if everything out there is peaceful and we have chaos here, that's all we see. That's all we experience. And so she's saying, I'm bringing peace to this. I I made good decisions. I I surrounded myself with people that will protect me. I, I, I made the hard choices. I didn't follow my feelings. Choices lead, feelings follow. And now she has a relationship everybody wants. Look at that couple. And they're so much at peace. People want peace. That's my dream for you. That's my dream for my girls and their relationships, that they have peace. Remember, Jesus makes all things new, and we live forward from today. So the last point, lasting love is peaceful. Lasting love is peaceful. And listen, this is what the whole series really has been about, is finding peace in your relationship, applying these principles, knowing there's gonna be struggles, knowing there's gonna be challenges, but applying these principles and finding peace in your relationship. Look at verses 11 through 12. Let's take a look. Solomon had a vineyard in Baal Hermon. He let out his vineyard to tenants, or he rented it out. People came, worked the land. Each was to bring for its fruit a thousand shekels of silver. Now, understand, here's what's great. She's going to start honoring her brothers here. The brothers are in the mix now, and she's talking about this process. She says, like, here's this vineyard out there that my brothers were renting or working on behalf of Solomon. It's the same one. Solomon owned it. Her brothers were working in it. And remember, her brothers made her work for it. (laughs) And she said, in fact, in chapter one, she's like, you know what? Don't look at me because I'm unlovely, because I'm dark. I've been darkened by the sun because I'm working out in the field all day. My brothers are making me work in the vineyard. And so, man, I'm I'm just overworked. I'm tired. I don't even think I'm beautiful or, or lovely. I've been out. And now she's saying that, you know what? That field I talked about, that was Solomon's field. My brothers had me working out in the field. Number one, that kept her from getting in trouble. Right? I wasn't out there with all my friends living up the high life or whatever and going doing stuff, hanging out, getting in trouble. My brothers are watching over me. They're protecting me. They had me working out here in the field. And number two, had I not been where I was supposed to be, I may not have ever caught Solomon's eye. Come on, church. God has a place for you to be and you need to listen and submit to his process and his principles because how many things do we miss in life because we have other plans or we don't want to do that. We want to do our own thing. We don't, be over, we don't want our parents so we don't want to listen. Can I tell you, your parents are trying to tell you the place you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there because God has something for you there that you don't even know. What would it, what it have been like if she rebelled against her brothers or that protection that God put there and the principles of God in her life and she would have missed the opportunity to be recognized by Solomon. Solomon's saw girls all the time, but then he's out in his vineyard and he sees this one and God put him together. How many things are we missing because we're not where we're supposed to be? Because we're not willing to listen to the voices of, of love and protection round about us or to the word of God that gives us boundaries and guardrails. It'll put us where we're supposed to be because God has a plan that's greater than your plan. And you have no idea the things that God wants to do in and through you. And you have no idea the means on how he wants to use. And so we limit God because we're where, we're, where we want to be. 
What a great story. So she's honoring her brothers. Thank you for making me go out there and do that and watching over me because that was where I was supposed to be. It goes on to say this. Now listen to verse 12. But my own vineyard is mine to give. My own vineyard. Vineyard represents her body. We saw that in chapter one. So she's saying, now I can give this to the right person because where I was supposed to be, I can give myself to the right person that God had for me. I can give that willingly myself. It goes on to say, uh, the thousand shekels are for you, Solomon, it's your, and the 200 are for those who tend its fruit. She's saying that because I was where I was supposed to be, I'm giving myself to you, and she's recognizing her brother. She recognizes this, and now she is giving herself to her husband. And so, you know, trust someone when they say no. Trust someone that points you back to the word. Trust your... Parents, trust your youth pastor, trust your group leader. And here's my hope for, and my prayer for my, my girls, that they trust us so the day I walk them down the aisle. They will look at me and say, thank you. Thank you. I thought I wanna hear more than anything else when I walk my girls down the aisle through all the mistakes and challenges that we have that they have come to a point to just have trusted me and loved me enough to trust me that when I hand her over to that young man, that they'll say thank you. Even when I didn't want to listen, Dad. Even when I had other ideas. Even when things were pulling me another way. Even though I was being mean, even disrespectful in the midst of all that. Thank you for fighting for me. Thank you for protecting me. Amen? what we all want. That's, that's my hope for all of you. We are fighting for you. We pray for you. That's why we're willing to teach subjects like this and bring you the truth of God's word when the church is being silent, where people might think, that's, why are you doing that in church? Because we're fighting for you. We want you to follow God's will, God's way. Verse 13 goes on to say this. You who dwell in the garden... In the gardens with friends and attendants, let me hear your voice. Talking about her husband being out there, he's thinking about her all the time, thinking about her. When they're not together, they're thinking about each other. When I'm at work in the gardens, I'm thinking about you. I want to hear your voice. And she responds, come away with me, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the spice-laden mountains. So he's thinking about her all the time, and she's thinking about him all the time. And so when they communicate, they can't wait to be together. She's like, I'm thinking about you. He's like, I'm thinking about you. And she's like, oh, come on, you young stud. Let's go, right? And, he, and I'm not going to go the mountain thing. We already did the mountain thing, right? And, and week three, it's just exactly what you think it is. And so basically, here's late, listen, this is later in life. They're older. And they're talking and interacting like young kids. Ah, because as they draw closer to God, they draw closer together. As they draw closer together, they draw closer to God. You know why? Because God's way works. She's saying, I'm th- he's saying, I'm thinking about you. She's saying, I'm thinking about you. Today, it would be, he'd send her a text, I'm thinking about you. She'd send him a text back, thinking about you, hurry home. He'd tell everybody at work, uh, I'm leaving early today. <laughs> Cover. Later in life, years later. Why? God's way works. God's way works. God wrote it right the first time. God's way. Hurry home. Hurry home. God's way is awesome. And we need to close. Every head bowed, every eye closed. My heart, my hope, and the message in the series, as difficult as the subject matter could be at times, we have to share the truth in love. 
And despite perhaps even the delivery or the words that were spoken, I believe the Holy Spirit brought you the words to hear. But now you have to do something with those words. You have to be honest and you have to then apply them to your life because the power and the information is the application. And so I just want to encourage you that no matter where you are in life, remember this fresh start. He makes all things new. And for you today, if it's built, building a wall again around your values, then start today. Let's not live in the past. Let's let the past be the past. He takes care of our yesterdays so we can look forward to our future. Jesus did the work on the cross to let old things be passed away, all things become new, and then he is a forgiving God. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.